Hey there. Thanks for joining Love That VoiceOver, in-depth conversation with extraordinary people in the voiceover world, like the people hiring or casting voiceover talent, producers, agents, and the like, and exceptional voiceover actor improvisers. Yes, actors who use improvisation in their voiceover profession. Love That VoiceOver has been produced and aired since January 2012. Love That VoiceOver. With your host, Love That Rebecca, Rebecca Haw. Welcome to Love That VoiceOver's new re-release in 2017. And I have a special guest today for our new celebration of who we are and what we are doing with Love That VoiceOver. Let me tell you, when she was two years old, someone handed Tina Dietz, my guest, a tape recorder, and that was that. And today, Tina is an internationally acclaimed audiobook publisher, podcast producer, and creative business expert who's been featured on ABC, Inc.com, Huffington Post, and Forbes. Woo! Her company, Start Something Business Solutions, helps clients who want more than just a business and more than a routine life. They want a business oasis. And Tina herself splits her time between the U.S. and Costa Rica. Tina Dietz, welcome to the show. I'm so jazzed that I get to be the first of the new one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is our new season. And it's all about talking to people who are involved with um, hiring or facilitating the hiring of voiceover talent. So just before we get into too many details, I want people to be able to find you on the web and I'm going to promote the audiobooks website you have, which is launchyouraudiobook.com. You Thank also, you. Yeah, you also have another website I'm going to let people look up if they want to while they're listening called Start Something Creative Biz, B-I-Z, solutions.com. There if go. there was a contest for longest URL, I would enter it. I think you would have I think a I, shot. I think I got a good shot at that. Yeah. <laughs> Start something creative biz solutions. I just did a jingle for you. Oh, there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. So everybody, um, Tina Deeds is a really, really fun, fun person. I met Tina because she enrolled in my Love That Improv VO group workouts, school, whatever you want to call it, the online place for voiceover talent to come and play with improvisation. Um, that's how we met, right? Yeah, and it's, and it's genius. It's, yeah, it's, I keep talking about it to people that <laughs> I've... I was speaking at a podcasting conference a few weeks ago and mentioned it from the stage, just oh so you God. know, oh my God, and mentioned it to other people. And uh, I've had people emailing me, what's that? What's that VO workout you're talking about? I was like, it's Rebecca's. Go, go find the bunnies. Let's do this. <laughs> That's right. Our bunny is our logo there. Love so the sweet, sweet. Thank you. Appreciate that. Always. That's how we met because Tina was also putting her toe in as a voiceover talent. But um, I invited Tina here to be a guest because of her role in helping to produce audiobooks. Audiobooks are a huge segment of um, you know people who do improv in my voiceover online workouts. But audiobooks is just huge. You, I think, have mentioned probably in other interviews that it's like an audio revolution, right? With with uh, 
books, what we used to call books on tape and now just call books audiobooks. Books on tape, yeah, exactly. <laughs> books on No, it, it really is. Like consistently, year after year after year, it's a trend I've been tracking for a number of years. You mentioned that I had some training as a voiceover talent, right. and I do love it. I love it so much. I And at the same time, I decided not to pursue it full time just because I, I understand what a discipline it is and how deeply you really need to go into your artistry and the daily auditioning and, and putting yourself out there all the time, all the time, all the time. And so one of my great pleasures is in having a business that I can provide opportunities for voice actors yeah. to get decent work and to not work with jerks. So right. that helps. Not working with <laughs> jerks. That's part of her business solution. That's awesome. I like it. <laughs> that's yeah. wonderful. Well, yeah, that's that's what we're here to really talk about is what you're doing in that arena. But I want people to know a little bit that you are aware yeah. of what it takes to be a voiceover talent. So I appreciate what you just said because it's not an easy career. And also that you're doing this with authors, that you're working with authors. So just tell us a little bit about what you're doing for your clients and how it all functions from an audiobook perspective. Well, uh, let me take a step back and okay. and give a little a little bit of background. So, uh, going about four years ago now, I was actually had the pleasure of taking some audiobook narration masterclasses with Pat Fraley from oh, L.A. Yeah. Yeah, we love and uh, he's such a fun dude. Oh That's my god, awesome. we had so much fun. And in that class, my my agent, who is still on the books with Tony Silveri from All Coast Talent, had brought him into Western New York, where cool. she's where I'm from originally. And New York. Uh, yeah, New Yorker. Well, <laughs> Buffalo, New York. I don't have quite okay. the accent. Okay. <laughs> and I worked hard to get rid of it. I worked hard to get rid of it. Good, good, good. But, I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> I was, um, I've been a business coach for many years. I'm kind of a lifelong entrepreneur. I grew up inside of my parents' business. And so I had this business coaching practice. So many of my colleagues, my friends were doing bestseller campaigns. The doors were wide open on self-publishing. They still are, but it was really hot at the time. Mm -hmm. And I saw this tremendous disconnect between the audiobook world and the nonfiction world uh, in terms of audiobooks because I, you know, I started looking into the numbers. The numbers were rising, rising, rising because mostly of the merger between Audible and Amazon. Yeah. And of course, the advent of ACX.com, which I'm sure many or most of your listeners know about. Right. ACX. And so that yeah. was, that's where the, um, the seeds got planted for that particular branch of my business. And uh, about two years ago now, we started offering audiobook services. And it's been a lot of education because it amazes me how many authors, how many entrepreneurs, business people, nonfiction authors just really have no idea what's available to them. So we've spent a lot of the last two years doing a, uh, quite a bit of education, client education, and that's been building. And at the same time, I'm also a podcaster and, and work with other folks on launching their own podcasts, and, and voice acting comes into play quite a bit there as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in terms of how you got involved with this gap that you saw between nonfiction and audiobooks. I mean, what is the, what was the spark that created that for you? Was that before the, I have this feeling, but I'm not sure is the creative business solutions and business coaching, the thing that happened first voiceover came in as a side thing for you. What, what's that path? How did you get there? Yeah. 
Well, um, it, it's, a, it's a long and sorted path, really. It's um, always sorted. It, always, it is always sorted. It really is. I, I mean, I've had a number of businesses over the years. I'm a therapist by training. Mm-hmm. I'm an entrepreneur by blood. Mm-hmm. And I worked in higher education for a long time, as well as mm-hmm. doing things like developing and running teen centers for character education and leadership and all that good wow. stuff. But what it always came back to, what kind of the nugget of everything I've ever done is how do you take a good idea and bring it into reality? Mm-hmm. That's that's what turns me on. It's really the creative process that gives me so much juice every day. And that for me is in combination with kind of my deeper mission, which is this vision that I have. There's a whole other story that goes with this of, of people doing what they love and actually making a great living at it. Like that myth of do mm. what you love and the money will follow. I want a world that that actually exists in and a world that that's where we're bringing up our children. Like our children, that's just a default reality because to me, that's the most powerful legacy that I could ever leave. Um, So I'm always looking for ways to facilitate that creative expression in the world and facilitate multiple income streams. And I thought that audiobooks were an incredible way to make that happen because I think the statistic is something like fewer than 10 or 15% of nonfiction books get turned into audiobooks. And given the demand, that seems like an incredible disservice. Mm. And it's, so it's been very interesting over the last year or two to hear some of the conversations about why people aren't considering doing audiobooks. Yeah, what is that? What are, yeah, some of the, what are the ones that strike you that you hear? What, what are the reasons why they're not doing it? They really, the lack of awareness is incredible. Like they're, they're going through all of this time and energy to publish a book. Or in many cases, some of the books I've turned down, they haven't gone through a lot of time and effort to create a book and they're just trying to get a book out there. Okay. That's bad, bad, bad news. But really. They just don't the, know. They're not, they don't know they that don't it's helpful. They don't know the process. They don't know their options. There is a lot to learn. And then for many authors, there is, a, well, let's call it a scarcity mentality. That if you have to invest $1,000, somehow that's a tremendous amount of money okay. to invest in your business. When really in the great scheme of things, selling books is not a short tail game. It is a long tail game. It's something that, I mean... I, I use the example a lot of Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Yes. If Stephen Covey had run an Amazon bestseller campaign, he never would have had the empire that he had for his entire life. I mean, he built a huge empire out of one simple set of concepts. He did. But it was because he leveraged it and he kept at it and he kept reinforcing it and he never moved really on to the next thing. There was no next thing. He just that kept expanding. That was a pretty expanding. basic fundamental. Yes. And he turned it into proving that. So exactly. what is it that those? So what is it that they they gain when they add the audiobook to their authorship in that nonfiction arena? What do you believe that the audiobook does, in, and what is it meant to do? Well, in terms of current. Sales numbers just on its own. Mm-hmm. Audiobooks outsell ebooks three to one. Wow! Uh, I mean, um, I'll, I'll even give you an example at, at the New York Times bestseller level. Uh, one of my colleagues is Ellen Rogan, who wrote "Picture Your Prosperity," and we had been having a. a ch- she was on my show, mm-hmm. and we had been having a chat about audiobooks and her because she, of course, had a big publisher. They had paid, thank goodness, to have her narrate her own book, which was mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. 
but they hadn't focused any attention on it whatsoever. Zero attention, zero marketing dollars, zero effort on marketing the audiobook. They just put it out online on they Amazon? They just put it out there. Or, yeah, they just put it out. And uh, I said, well, why don't you check into that? I'm gonna, And I, she asked me to be on her show. I came on a couple of weeks later. She's like, you're never going to believe this. The audiobook has outsold the Kindle. And we never did anything to promote it. Wow. See, because got, people want yeah. that for convenience. They want it. They want and they wanted it in multiple formats. Yes. They wanted it because... I mean, how often do most of us, I mean, I make time for it, but most people don't make the time to sit down and read. Well, if you have a book, and especially the way Kindle is now, where you can get it in the print as well as the audio, so you can go back and forth if you can listen and you can't read in the moment because you're washing dishes, which is my typical scenario, or putting things away in the kitchen after washing dishes. Okay, whatever. Um, (laughs) It's so nice to have the audio. And then when I sit down and I want to, you know, I'm waiting for something, usually I, I carry my iPad with me and I'm using that Kindle to read, you know, because for whatever reason, I'm in a place where I don't want to play it out loud or I want to use right. my eyes and read it, you know, and it's right. both. It's really, really a wonderful thing. It's so convenient and I want both. And I'm so shocked every time. It's not a, got an audio version. Exactly. Why not? You know? Exactly. I and it's becoming so much more common. It, it's, uh, And that's why I said the last year and a half, two years have been so much client education, trying to get information out there. And there's other people, other narrators. Karen Cummins comes yeah. to mind as I a brilliant that. educator. Yes. She's been such an advocate. Every article she reads or writes, I must read and, and share because I just think she's fabulous. She's very good. And, she's incredibly and folks, giving in that way because she oh. gives so much education in just what she writes. And that's she not, is. and nobody pays for that. That's like a blog in the old school yes, way. Yes, exactly. She's given so much information. It's mm-hmm. just brilliant. Yeah. And so um, I've endeavored to kind of follow in that kind of footstep and mirror because I think it's so important to be generous when you're educating your audience and not play your cards close to your chest mm-hmm. because otherwise people are just going to be like, okay, and move on because they have no idea what they're missing out. Yeah, it really, it really depends. I mean, you don't want to give away trade secrets. Secrets. You don't want to give away trade secrets. Trade secrets. But Karen does a great job of. She's usually after a point too. She's trying to help people understand a certain perspective, a certain error that she sees out there, so she can correct it, or certain things that she's impressed with that she's learned that she says, "Look, everybody needs to know this." You know, that's what I've seen exactly. from her. It's exactly. Karen. Is it coming or Cummins? C-O-M-M-I-N-S. I'm yeah. not entirely sure how to pronounce it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and uh, thank you for the spelling so that our listeners can, you know, Google her and find out more about her. She's a voiceover yeah, she's artist. I've been familiar with her for years now. Um, great. So, so you started because of this. I'm still not quite sure how you ran into the authors, but you started because you were in podcasting and uh you saw no actually no um great because i'm a business coach yes and i've been in business i've been coaching businesses for a long time and most of the business owners that i know were publishing books got it there we are yeah and then i had been um voice acting as a paid hobby for a number of years yeah like most so many of us i have background in theater and Quite honestly, I always love the sound of my own voice. Yeah, and, well, you know, that radio training. That's tape recording yeah. when you were two. <laughs> it's all so true. I actually have a recording 
of that time, of that moment of somebody handing it to me the first time and they're trying to get the microphone away from me. (laughs) And I'm just, I, and you can hear me saying, no, no, I'll hold it. I'll hold it. I'll hold it. No, no, I'll hold it. You know, that's awesome. That is fantastic. So, oh, that's such a great visual. Yeah, it is. It's pretty funny. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Love That Voiceover. I'm so glad you're enjoying this. And you know what? You've helped me pass a huge milestone. We've had over 115,000 downloads since we launched in January 2012. Woohoo! Yes. You guys are awesome. Wow. I'm glad that you're liking it. I really am because Love That Voiceover is my passion project. It's my way of giving back to this amazing world of voiceover and a way to pass things on. So many people have given so much to me over the years. You know, it's something I enjoy and you guys get to enjoy it too. Now, would you be so kind to please help Love That Voiceover get a little more noticed? If you can, any or all of the following will be really easy for you to do and would really help. If you're listening on iTunes, subscribe and rate the show with stars. Multiple stars, please. On Facebook, please like the public page Love That Voiceover and join the private group. Love That Voiceover, of course. (laughs) Our Twitter is at LoveThatVO, so chat with me there too. And there are links to all of this on the website, lovethatvoiceover.com. Now, back to the interview. Yeah, and I had been, uh, and it turned out that Tony Silveri, my agent, was right in my neighborhood. I didn't know it. And it's one of those set of circumstances. You know, there's so many of these stories around the voice acting industry where Tony was a student of my mom's. Uh, my mom's a yoga teacher. Mm. Oh, and. And of course, my mom being wonderful, she said, oh, my daughter has done these voice. She's voiced over a bunch of DVDs for our company's educational products, which I had done for a family business. And she's been asked to voice over things for award ceremonies in this particular industry. So Tony said, well, send her to me. Come and audit a class. And I did. And an hour into the three-hour class, I was in, I was in love, and I wished I had found it 20 years earlier. I bet. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand. So um, let's jump to the present. And you are now working with these authors. You were working with them maybe, and they and you saw this opportunity for them to create audiobooks for their work to help them. After, you, after this one particular client, this woman that has a big publisher, gave you some stats that they were three to one selling over the audiobooks were selling over the Kindle ebook itself. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. So, and I had found industry statistics uh, backing that up. Uh, was it 2015, 1.5 million more audiobooks were downloaded than Kindle than oh, actually than any digital format. Wow. Wow. So that's clearly showing and we've, and for me in the VO industry, and I think other people who are in the VO industry, we have seen the boom in the audiobook um, in terms of the production of it. Now, tell us your approach when you're working with an author and how you find them the voiceover talent for their work, for their, for their um, book. Well, my authors have a couple of different options. They usually come to me wanting to voice and narrate their own book. And then after I share with them the process and we do a little trial, they say, hey, can you find me a narrator? <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't, don't fit that, so don't suit that work. Yeah. 
There's a little bit of disbelief that it takes as long and requires as much skill as it does. And sometimes people really have to experience that. I'm not surprised. Uh, in the process before they really understand yeah. what it takes. Yeah. And uh, I try to be as compassionate as possible, but sometimes I do tease the hell out of them. Uh, <laughs> because most of these folks, uh, many of them are, are colleagues or we've met in different yeah. uh, aspects. And as you already know, I like to have fun. So yes, that's yes. part of the process. Yes. Uh, so once we've kind of determined the strategy for the audiobook on the business side of things, when it should be released, how it should go out. Are we reviving an old title? Is it part of a new launch? Where is it going to be distributed to at least for the first year, you know, royalties, all of that good stuff. Then it becomes a matter of then matching a narrator with the author. Right. And so because I've gotten to know the author, I really try to craft an audition that allows the narrator to have what they need so that they know it's a good fit or not. Right. And that they're able to send in a really specific audition that allows me to know usually within the first 30 seconds uh, if it's going to be a possible fit or not. So I'll include things like audio clips or video clips of the author speaking because we're not necessarily looking for a voice match, but we're looking for a match in spirit and tone. Mm -hmm. So that, and also an appreciation for the work because we're human beings. We're never going to narrate a book as well if we don't like it. Yes. Right? Yeah, totally. And and especially in the world of nonfiction, which can be, let's face it, occasionally dry. We want to bring the juiciness level of the book up. Absolutely. And, and, Bring spirit to it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really important. Bring some soul really, really in there. Bring some soul. Bring some interest. Somebody who cares. Yeah. Exactly. So, so how hard is it? Um, what's your process for going through those auditions? How do you solicit? How do you then cull through them? Well, I actually do use ACX as a conduit. And it's just an incredible group of talent on there. Mm -hmm. And I also have a private list that I have uh, sent out through one of the Facebook ACX Facebook groups of which I'm a member Mm -hmm. and had had people sign up and uh, who want to receive auditions for both audiobooks and sometimes intro outros for podcasts as well. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing I send out. And it's not a, you know, because I have a, you know, a fairly boutique operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of an agency that that really is um, operating in a a more exclusive space. Yeah, I mean small. Um, <laughs> <laughs> marketing speak for small. Yes, <laughs> um, it's like one real estate agency. Crazy. Um, right. That yeah, exactly. Um, that you know, so things might go out a couple of times a month, but I'm also looking at specific groups. I'm not just blasting out an audition to the entire list. I actually segment the list out by the type of response people have given me. Gotcha. Well, gotcha. Uh, in terms of age, voice, uh, male, female, etc. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so y- you have a good process for you've created, let's say, um, a pool. You know, you have your your own private list and then you have the list that you use through ACX and you now have a book that you need to find somebody so does it take you like this is what I heard very recently with some statistics for voice agents they might get up to a thousand 
at least several hundred of auditions from voice actors for one role. And it could be a short 15-second commercial radio spot. It could be something else more, you know, more, let's say, high pay. But what is it like for you in, in comparison? No, and I, I don't think that that's the case as often with audiobooks because audiobooks in the in the larger scheme of voice acting seem to be uh, certainly more time intensive first yes, of all they are yes um, particularly for the amount of compensation that's given right it's unless you're working with a major publisher audiobooks are not necessarily tremendously lucrative right um they're an acx.com in particular you know just people are making a living doing books on acx that you know but it is like many things the minority, but I think we can say that about the voiceover industry in general. That you know, some people make a full time living at it. The majority of people probably do not. That that could be very true. Yeah, as a comparison. Yeah, yeah that that. But part. you know, it's very entrepreneurial, and you know, like most of us who are entrepreneurs, we usually have several gigs going on, or you know, at the same time, just depending on or our even capacity. If you're just a straight interest. voiceover talent. You are juggling a lot of things within that to keep the business absolutely. going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tiffany Williams, who's done several pieces of work for me now from Airbending Media Productions. I love her. You know, she's done, I think, two intro outros for me and an audiobook. And now, actually, her company, I'm, I've brought on as partners to do editing for when I have authors who want to do their own narration. So developing those relationships and showing up in those relationships, and you never know where it's going to take you. Right, right. You really don't. So in terms of the audiobook casting, you have a smaller group that you're going to have to sort through once you get your auditions in. Are we talking, you know, 10, 20? Um, you should like? get between 30 and 50. Okay, there you go. I figured it was in that number range, yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a little homework to go through that. But like you said, you're going to listen and cull through and narrow it down to some top group. And then what do you submit it to your author to listen? Yeah, I usually curate it into about my, my top five or six. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's been a top three, but usually it's a top five or six. And then I, um, I'll send over those MP3 files directly to the author with kind of a little bit of note on each one and also some directions on how to listen and uh, what there should be listening for. Very good. Um, so you continue which, your education for yeah, them. Yeah, so, so that they're not making a decision based on what they, sh what they should not be making a decision on, right. you know, really. And, <laughs> and if I have one that really stands out for me uh, or two, that I will say that as well. Mm. And then, you know, I try to put as much information in the audition as possible to have the voiceover uh, talent understand you know, this is what we're offering. This is the time frame. If you you're going to submit it on the scope audit, of the project and the rate the that you'll pay. The scope of the project, the rate. I'm very specific. I don't leave anything to the imagination. Um, unturned into yeah. the imagination. If someone's going to take the time to do an audition, I want them to want to do the project. Right, exactly. And I personally find it incredibly irritating mm. when I've laid out those details and then I've gone and then I go back to someone. Unfortunately, this has only happened once or twice. And they're like, well, I can do this for this, or I can do that for this, they're but that can only do this. Here. They're negotiating. I'm like, no. don't waste my time. Right. You know? So Thank I you for saying that. Let's just recap this one more time, because when I speak to agents, similar things happen. And for those listening who are part-time voiceover talent, 
this is something to really take for heart because probably if you're full-time, you've got this down and you are practiced at this. But whatever the audition specs are, you need to respect that and understand that that's what is the offer. And so when you are submitting the audition in these cases, that's the offer. And for example, that happens with voiceover agents. It's not necessarily something that happens on a pay-to-play site because that's a different arena. Yes. So I I just wanted to clarify that. It's really important to pay attention to what's in the specs and follow the instructions and recognize that those are the details and they've, they're listed there specifically so that you understand that's, that's what the job entails and what the offer is. Yeah. I mean, I, if you want to go, if we want, we could talk about what makes people stand out and what gets you deleted. Oh, sure. I was going to, that that's part of, that's kind of like a question. So yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's, let's hear it. Cause it's fresh on your mind. Yeah. Uh, so things that are wonderful, I don't necessarily expect a slate a name slate, but it is really nice to have them. And there are whole classes, I think Pat Frilly teaches a class on this, on that a slate, a good name slate could actually sell your entire audition. And I actually think that that's true because it creates an instantaneous relationship. So if I hear who you are and it's really authentic, I automatically feel like you're in the room with me. Yeah. That actually does make a difference. And something just really natural, not, not put on like, you know, the way an agent like always put, the way an agent always put it to me, and let me let me see if this still holds true in your opinion. Um, it's like you've walked into the room and you're putting out your hand to shake the hand of somebody, and you're saying your name. Exactly. Okay. Good. Yay. Exactly. I'm glad I got a thumbs up on that. Yes, please. The second thing is not doing the audition the way that the audition is laid out. Like I said, I'm I'm very specific. I have a very specific passage that I'm asking for. It's short because, again, I think that having multi-page auditions for things is super silly unless you're really having people do multiple character voices. Since I'm doing nonfiction, not necessary. Got it. How often do the people screw that up? <laughs> Fortunately, not very often. Okay, good. But the one that really twists my knickers. There we go. Yeah. Is <laughs> when I... You like that? Yeah. Um, when... You click on an audition to listen to it, and they're like, here's my demo. Uh-oh. Oh, man. And then you <laughs> delete. delete, right? Yeah. There you go. Delete delete, and put your name on a do not listen list. Ah. Okay. Because there, I'm it's even silly worse. and you're dead to me. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> you just went I, down the voiceover no zone drain. Exactly. Like. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I know sometimes people get worried about their work being stolen. I have had this concern many times in my life, and I've actually haven't even I've had it happen a couple of times, not with voiceover, but but in business. Mm. It's a risk you take when you audition mm. to a certain extent. Well, kind of yes and kind of no. I mean, if you're only doing an excerpt, what, what the hell are you going to do with it? What am I going to do with it right now? Intro, outro, voiceovers. Yeah, I could understand that a little bit more, but again. Same with commercial copy auditions. Yeah, commercial copy, things like that. Um, you do need to protect yourself, but particularly with audiobooks, it's it's never going to happen. We need the whole book. Yeah. And you sending in, not reading the entire audition, or sending me a demo, I've actually had a couple that actually just kind of talked at me, like, I'm so-and-so, and here's my background. It was like an audio 
resume. Bio. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, like, well, I wish I cared. I don't. <laughs> you know, that's not I. Listen you know, to this, people. That's not stuff. what you want to do. Those are good examples of oh. what not to do. Exactly. Um, that and uh, fake accents. Like, um, fake accents. Really bad fake A couple of, obviously. Yeah, actually, I had one gentleman who we were, myself and the author, who is from Britain, mm -hmm. were convinced that it was a, a native speaker. Turned out he wasn't. Oh. He's from Georgia. Oh. Uh, so, it, but most of the time it really stands out. You can, you can definitely tell. So if somebody asks for a native speaker, unless you really, really you sound like a native I mean, speaker. Down, and I don't mean you think you can get it down. I mean, you've talked to a native speaker and they believe you. Right. That's the level at which you need to be. Right. You know, I, you skip that audition. There's more. Yeah. That one puts on a fly list, certainly. But because um, I can really appreciate it. Oh, and the last thing is <laughs> editing your audition so that it is the same sound quality that the finished product will be. Yes, be that's what they should do. Some of them don't do that. No, some of them don't do that. And it feels like it, it, there's echo and there's other things. And I can hear, okay, that could be edited. But I'm not, in the case of audiobooks, I'm not just hiring your voice. I'm actually hiring you to handle the production. Right, 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 right. So right. you need to pr provide something that sounds finished, fully produced. Yeah. Very good. Excellent <laughs> tips on submitting to nonfiction audiobooks. Um, in yeah. terms of the fake accent, just to back up on that, it was, it was a, it was a non-native. And what happened with that person who was from Georgia? Did they end up getting the gig because it was like yeah. they were native? Okay. It, 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 he did. And uh, it turned out he was um, actually a really brilliant voice actor and definitely a actor. He yeah. um, and I hadn't ha he's the only narrator I've had to date who has actually created characterization inside of a nonfiction book, um, which was lovely, really in an incredibly lovely finished product. Very nice. Now, one of the things that you mentioned to me in a prior conversation, Tina, was that sometimes, I don't know if it was this particular actor you're speaking about, but in general, there are some actors in terms of once they've been hired, there is a scope, there is a timeline, and sometimes they are more picky or maybe less picky than you like. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? Um, I've only had it happen once, and you know, because this particular voice actor was so gifted, they were able to kind of get away with it because the author loved them. And the author also did not have a huge marketing machine behind them. Mm. If they had, he probably would have been fired. Because he wasn't um, getting things in on time. Wasn't getting things in on time. And there were a lot of excuses. Um, but it was and, good quality work when you did receive it. Was, it brilliant it was brilliant quality work except that many a, number, a couple of times it was rushed and some of the editing had to be redone which also drove things back in time and it's also the only time that I've ever submitted a final product to ACX that it got sent back because one of the files had been corrupted Aye. and well, it's it was by it, it tripled the amount of production time right. on our timeline. Right. And that costs money because of it costing time. Yes. And it's also difficult when you think about working with that person again, I'm sure. Well, I here's here's the good thing about it. Yeah. I'm I'm 
I'm a therapist, I'm a coach, <laughs> and I'm also really, really committed to people doing great work. And this person is incredibly talented. Mm. So we actually did have a conversation to follow up. And and he was very, very coachable. He was actually incredibly appreciative. And, you know, we I, I would work with him again, just knowing a few details about what might be going on in his life at the time. Right. Okay. <laughs> I would so ask a few more questions. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is a learning for everybody. We'll come right back after this quick break. Hey, do you want to improve your voiceover skills? Yes. And increase your performance range, flexibility, and speed? <laughs> yes. Well, how about time to play with character voices? Then hop on into voiceover improvisation. Yes, online on Skype from the great ease of your home studio. Learn more. Go to vo-improv.com or Twitter at voimprov. Fire up your neurons, baby. All right, back to the show. So yeah. what do you see happening economically with audiobooks moving forward in the next, what, short term and long term? Uh, we're going to see a continued trend because it's been, I believe, a five or six year trend now where the growth of audiobooks has been 20% or higher sales on top of the year before. Mm-hmm. Higher, higher, higher. Mm-hmm. That is extraordinary growth. And what I'm hoping to see is that with the growth of audiobooks as it is, that libraries will start spending more money on audiobooks because they do spend to a certain extent. Um, but the catalog isn't nearly as robust. Libraries as like public libraries? What do you mean? Public libraries. Okay. Well, because there's a lot of money in public libraries. Uh, when authors can get their books into public libraries, regular books, digital books, uh, audio copies, those commercial licenses are valuable. Mm-hmm. And that makes an incredible difference in the life of that author. And I would like to see that also translate to the lives of narrators because in a perfect world, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. My concern, of course, is one of the things that happens in any industry where things become extremely popular is you end up with a group of highly trained professionals and then you end up with a group of wannabes. Yes. And sometimes the wannabes transition into being highly trained professionals and other times they turn into scam artists. And because this is relatively new and every author I talk to, I speak to a lot of authors, they have no clue what to look for. They know what they like, right? but they know the standards or recording standards. They don't know what to ask for. They don't know how to craft an, an audition. And most of the audio publishers out there, and this is a bit of a rant on my part. One of the reasons, the main reason I decided to do this myself instead of partnering with an audio publisher is because their business model completely sucks. Hmm. It sucks. And and how it sucks is basically that the author's paying up front and then they're paying a tremendous amount in royalties and they don't own their files. So the author as a doesn't creator, own the files? No, no, they don't own their own files. They That's don't own scary. their distribution. And everything has to go through the audio publisher. So I ran into this over and over again. I, I like secret shoppered right. a whole bunch of audio publishers because I was looking for a potential partner. Right. And it's very old school publishing. 
And, okay. and as far as I'm concerned, for creative people, people who who spent all this time and energy and years learning in the case of the experts that I know, their work needs to be represented accurately and they need to own their stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I think any artist feels that way. Right. And there's a similar fight in some philosophical way, perhaps, with voiceover talent before they get paid and the copyright for the work that they create on audio before they're paid for it. And that's a long discussion that I won't take us down the road of. But it's a very good point. But it's it's probably something along philosophically the same idea of what you're talking about. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, in terms of the work in audiobook for voice talent, you've been doing this for two years. Is that right? Yeah, about two years. Yeah, uh, I had kind of sat on it for a little while doing other things. You'd mentioned. Costa Rica. And at one point, living in Buffalo, New York just became too much of living in Buffalo, New York. So my husband and I, we sold our house and most of our stuff and took our kids and we moved to Costa Rica. And we still have a community that we're building down there with a bunch of other cool people, entrepreneurs, artists, thought leaders, all kinds of good stuff. But we actually sent my husband back to school full time. And so we're a little bit more grounded here in Florida for the next several years, but I'm back and forth as much as I can be. Costa Rica, yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. You go there in the winter. Um, you know, I live I in know. Florida, so it doesn't really matter. I know. I was going to say cuz that's why I was wondering which one is better when. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I well, it's very flat here, so I miss the mountains in Costa Rica very much. Uh, okay. And is the coffee better in Costa Rica? Oh, you have no idea. I bet it is. That's <laughs> you have nice. No idea. Well, the reason why I was asking about the audiobooks is because I was thinking, well, so now you've learned a lot. You've you've had your face in the mic for a lot longer, but now you've really learned about the audiobooks. So what is it that you would, you've given some great tips for voice talent mm-hmm. listening to this that are involved in audiobooks. How can they work with you? How can they work with me? Well, you know, if uh, do you have some show notes that we could post the link if people want to sign up as, as voice actors on yes. my roster? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to open that up. The okay. main requirement is that they have active profiles on acx.com because we don't want to go through that setup process okay um but then other than that they are welcome to fill out the information and and set that up so that's actually a google form so it doesn't have a pretty url to it okay Uh, but we can put that in the show notes if uh, people want to do that and um and of course they can always contact me i'll give you an even shorter url it's a little easier to remember and just go to the start something show.com which is my current podcast and that'll take you to my main website and you can check things out great terrific i think that is our show today tina i really appreciate you joining us at love that voiceover before we go is there anything that you might like to share opinions advice or recommendations before we before we let you go oh man i would say if for you know the voice actors out there that and maybe this sounds a little cliche, but I have found this more myself than anywhere else. The The best thing that I ever did for myself, for my career, for my business was to let my own freak flag fly, was to let my own weirdness really come out and find my tribe that way, find my niche that way, because it was trying to fit myself into the rest of the world that held me back 
And the more I kind of let that kind of goofiness out, I mean, I have a group for God's sake called the Happy Puppy Podcast Overlords. I mean, that's <laughs> that's my brand of humor. That's how I think. I, you know, we have a whole other thing called the Purple Squirrel Tribe. I was just going to say, my it, world the Happy is all about Overlords, it's all about uh, benevolent over world domination with furry creatures. I mean, yeah. come on. Um, and, and that is kind of where I live mentally those are the the people who resonate with that are the people that I hang out with and there are a lot of us there's way more of us than people think and so as a voice actor if you can allow your unique vocal qualities to to be there and yes you're an actor so you can do a lot of different things but that freedom in your body is going to translate into your voice so free up your body free up your your weird Free up your weird. Let it all and hang out. I be you, well, however yeah. it is. Whether it's a and freak it, or whether it's a something else. Oh, we all think we're a little off. Yeah, we well, we're definitely, you know, not the perfect ideal because that is the ideal. <laughs> really, who is? Please. It's a moving exactly. target. It's a, well, moving and that, that's true, too, culturally. Um, awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I think that's really important for people to think about because maybe they are trying too hard everywhere. And if they loosen up a little bit and kind of let the intuition guide them, maybe they'll be able to narrow it down and focus in an area. They'll have more success. That's in general and in audiobooks. I know a great voiceover improv workout class that people can try out that really helps with this. I do. No way. I, wow. Yeah, I even got to play Tangoing Camel one point. That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we have so many strange things that happen with animals the- and adventures, not always on Earth either. No, not not always. Not always. I got My blown up by a bomb movie. once too. One time, I was oh. trying to defuse a bomb and <laughs> didn't work out. Work out well. No, I was feeding cocktails to a bug in the desert. There you go. Where'd you get that cocktail? That's funny. <laughs> not, not anything about the feeding the bug or the desert. That's the cocktail. No, that's interesting. No, willing suspension of disbelief. Where did the cocktail come from? <laughs> we don't ask questions in improv. <laughs> yes, and. yes, yes, yes. So thank you for joining us. It's been a great pleasure, as it has always when I speak with you. And that's it. So now say goodbye to everybody. Thank you, Tina, for being on the show. Bye. Bye, Until next time, thanks for listening to Love That VoiceOver. Lots of love to you, you sexy, beautiful, adorable person. Take care. <laughs>